Folks, welcome back to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I am your host, Austin, and I am joined by two good blobs. One good blob who has not been on the podcast for quite some time, and another good blob who's never been on the podcast at all. You might even call him a very special guest. Uh, good blob number one, please introduce yourself. Hello, it is I, Andrew. I've returned from the... Uh... I don't know. I've just been playing Final Fantasy fourteen the whole time. That's actually not that much of an exaggeration. No, I'd yeah, buy that. I mean, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I think the last uh, time I was on the podcast, uh, I was still in college. I've graduated college now. Mm-hmm. Um, Congratulations. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I've become addicted to Final Fantasy fourteen online. Which well, is, we're happy uh, that you've that you uh, finally decided to grace us with your presence yet again. But uh, we heard a yeah. mysterious other voice in there. Other voice, good blob number two. Please introduce yourself. Hello, uh, I'm Robbie. You might know me from the internet as Bokusachi, and uh, I am a uh, fellow panelist who has uh, met up with the Third Impact crew at a few conventions, and I also am. An occasional anime blogger. I I put out posts sometimes, and uh, yeah, I'm just generally a, a guy who enjoys watching me some animes. You mm-hmm. hang on. You have the Chio Chan with the removable ears, correct? That's me. Yes, I knew. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. That's what you should really be known for. Sorry, not if you, ears. If you were asking yeah. me. Pigtails. Why did I say removable ears? I don't know. Okay, it's canon now. Chio Chan from Azumanga Daioh. Those are her ears. Those are her ears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we really appreciate you coming on the uh, on the podcast uh, for this episode, and we're talking about the 2017 anime Girls' Last Tour, which is something that I really appreciate. And I know Robbie, it's probably I would dare to say it's one of your favorite anime. And Andrew, this is your first time seeing it, so you're kind of the fresh new face. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy to have you on here. Yeah, it's it's this is my like favorite show of the the 2010s, the last decade. So uh, it's a pretty fitting thing to bring me on for. I think I'm I, if I remember correctly, didn't I also was not I also not part of the reason that you got into this in the first place? Uh, I don't I don't think so because I'm trying to think back. The first time I saw this show, well, maybe or you maybe had a part I, in I, me maybe, maybe back I think to I might it. have renewed your interest in it then because I know that I yeah I, I remember like I had written into the the anime of the decade episode with my top list mm-hmm. and this was on the top of it and I kind of scared Tori with my message a little bit. I think I remember, but uh, <laughs> I was a little bit. Uh, uh, I exaggerated my my feelings for the show a little bit, and uh, uh, but yeah, I think I think I remember you brought up that like, oh yeah, that was part of what got you to come back to it, and yeah, 
no, I I seem to remember that you were that 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 was that was in fact the case because I think I was thinking that um because I originally saw it like whenever it came out and watched like the first episode or two and thought oh this was neat but then knowing that you really appreciated it and was one of your favorites it kind of spurred me on to actually finish the thing probably a, a few years ago at this point right um so thank you for that you you reminded me of something that even i had forgotten <laughs> um and good job scaring tori i mean it's not it's not often that uh that easy to scare our horror experts so uh well yeah, done th- no it's extremely regard. easy it's very easy to <laughs> scare tori so would you say that Girls Last Tour is even more of a favorite than Simpho Gear? I mean, I know you have this whole like shrine set up on the internet to to your to that franchise. Oh yeah, so like I Simpho so Simpho Gear has a bit of a different role that it's played for me. Where like Simpho Gear and JoJo were these two shows that basically like led me through the decade where I I started watching them both in 2012 and carried through with them until 2019. And mm. so they had, they have a very important, a big significance to me in that regard. And, uh, Simpho gear, I just happened to like make a panel for it. Um, because the last season had come out in 2019 and I was wanting to present about it at a con. And so then I only got to present it once and that felt like a waste for all of what I did for it. And so I put up all of the stuff that I had researched for the panel onto a, a website uh, and of course, formatted it in the style of like a, a mid two thousands the GeoCities fan shrine because that seems like the most appropriate tribute that I could pay to a show with that kind of energy. Um, but Girls Last do. Tour is the one that I think is like the most, I guess, personally significant to me. Uh, mm. Just um, Simple Gear is one that I have a lot of fun with and enjoyed watching and and love talking to people about and showing them like. Hibiki punching her way through a mountain or like or like hitting a tank with another tank like a baseball bat but <laughs> the uh uh but girls last tour is more of one that like f- feels important to me hmm. and yeah i guess like it's whether it's because of like uh like for, like forgetfulness, inattentiveness, clumsiness, stuff like that. Like a big thing of like how I kind of go through life and how I experience things is like things tend to disappear on me a lot, whether it's like ideas or feelings or like a task I need to do or possessions or like especially people or time. They just kind of feel like they slip away from me if I'm not if I'm not consciously attending to them. And so mm. it's made it kind of hard for me to like trust myself with things. It's something I've put a lot of stress towards trying to keep track of. And so like because of that, um, like shows like this one that is about like finding something beautiful in that transience and and like piecing together uh, like the memories of, of something that's that's been lost um, is it it really um, speaks to me personally in a, in a much deeper kind of way. Um, and so that that's really the sort of thing that, that that draws me in. And so like I like I guess I got into I got into anime through um, like a couple of Ghibli movies, like but most notably like Whisper of the Heart, Spirited Away, and then like Evangelion, and that took me to Haibane Renmei is the one that finally pushed me over the edge. And so that sort of like more contemplative and thoughtful, emotionally driven show 
um, is sort of what draws me into the medium as a whole. And this is sort of the closest that I got to something like that over the course of the preceding decade or so. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, um, that's another thing I appreciate you for on online is that you seem to be one of the people keeping the flames of Hibane Renmei alive because uh, I know that was really you know popular among a you know its fan base back whenever it came out but it's just one of those things that seems to to have slipped through the cracks but I think really holds up in a lot of ways I watched it for the first time maybe four or five years ago and it's a it's a really special show that I think shares a lot of uh, similar similar tones and vibes and themes with a uh, girl's last tour. Oh so yeah. I would definitely totally make sense. Like if, mm-hmm. if you like girl's last tour or high bunny, I would recommend checking out the other one um, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. And also high bunny is 20 years old this year. Oh my God. It came out in 2002. Me that, I mean, I've, <laughs> it's so been, wild. it's been 15 years since I've seen it, but it, since I first saw it, um, and I've seen it like at least like on average about once a year since then. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm planning on doing something special for that for the for the twentieth anniversary. I'm not hundred percent sure what yet, but there's going to be something. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, I'm I'm trying to keep that alive. That is, have to have you back. yeah, that is the thing that got me into anime, and it's still my favorite. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear more about your thoughts on Girls Last Tour a little bit later. But yeah. uh, I guess before we really get into the meat of the conversation here, I, I guess we can well, let's talk about a couple uh, more recent things that have happened in the world of anime. I think most specifically the fact that Mamoru Hosoda's Bell film came out in theaters um, maybe like last week, two weeks ago from now, and I got to see it uh, in the theater maybe early earlier this week. And uh, I thought it was probably, in my opinion, the best film that he's made since um, Wolf Children, I think. it uh, It's a yeah. bit of a situation where, similar to what Shinkai did with Your Name and uh, Five Centimeters Per Second, or, or rather in the reverse, I guess, yeah. uh, Bell is sort of his version of doing Summer Wars again, but trying to do it in a different way. Um, which incidentally and I really was Summer that. Wars was his version of doing the Digimon movie again, but, <laughs> but right. <laughs> so he, he yeah. and Shinkai are kind of uh, they're kind of alike in that in that regard, doing mm-hmm. the same thing over and over and trying to perfect the formula. Um, but I, I thought Bell was um, very good. I it, it wowed me in ways that a lot of his more recent stuff didn't, yeah. um, like Mirai or um, Boy and the Beast. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, what what did you think of it? So I, it it's it's def. I think this is a Bell is an example of some of Shinkai's not Shinkai. Uh, Hosoda's best. Hosoda. Yeah, Hosoda's like some of his best like scene creation to date. Like some of the the scenes in this movie are like the, some of the best things he has put to film. I think there's there's just some mm. absolutely incredible sequences. And like the 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 messages of the of the movie are great. The the characters are a lot of fun. All the scenes are there. The every time that there's like one of those big musical numbers, I was just completely blown away. Holy cow, those were all incredible. Like the world of uh, the the internet world, he's so good at putting those together. And this looked it looked great. Um, I just the the did thing, you see it in um, English or Japanese? Uh, I saw it in Japanese. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw the dub, and uh, just going back to what you said about the I music. I heard that they scenes, dubbed the songs. How did that? How did that? They go? did. 
Well, uh, apparently they did hire, you know, a, a girl who had a background in like professional singing to 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 perform as Belle. And if you ask me, like listening to the Japanese tracks and the English tracks side by side, they sound really, really similar. Oh, I thought they did an cool. excellent job. Yeah, they did a really excellent. Sometimes it's a little bit touch and go whenever mm-hmm. um, they take Japanese songs mm-hmm. and like create English lyrics. Right, like for sometimes them it doesn't it doesn't flow quite oh, quite right. Yeah. I mean, they did that quite. with your name. I mean, Shinkai did at least. Yeah, yeah, like with the the tracks for your name. Yeah. I I thought that that was a little bit a little bit shakier, but for Bell, it it sounds like they did it like as as perfectly as they possibly could it, at least in my opinion I, cool. I thought that the the way that they rewrote the lyrics to have the same meaning but also you know have that have that beat that word choice that makes the song sound good right um it i, I mean i i think it's just just as good honestly i might have to check it out in in english then when it comes out on blu-ray Mm-hmm. I might have to rewatch. And the it one the thing dub. that they didn't do that does stand out a little bit is that you know Belle being a a computer CG character, like her lip flaps are a lot more specific mm-hmm. than like on a normal like three three lip three mouth shape right two D animated character. So that that is a little bit distracting, a little bit like Advent Children esque. But like the songs <laughs> themselves are are really yes. well done, is what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd say that 100, 100%. Wow, that's, that's great. That was one of the big things I was kind of worried about with the with the dub is whether they'd be able to do mm-hmm. justice to the songs. And I'm, gl- I'm glad they were able to pull that off. That's really cool. Yeah. Because that's like one of the biggest parts of the movie. Um, yeah, it's so central. Like, it's so key to nail that. Mm-hmm. Cause like that's the whole thing with how she's kind of expressing herself and her personality. And mm-hmm. like, so I think I guess the, the one thing is that I do kind of... I've I've been saying this for the last couple of movies he's done, but I do kind of wish that Hosoda would have somebody help him out with the writing a little bit because mm-hmm. it did feel like uh, the the over like the the structure and the plotting kind of didn't come together as as well as it could have. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of things felt kind of scattered and and not built up as well as they could be. But like all of the things that I, I what I appreciated about this movie so much was that all of the things that like even if they weren't put together quite as as well as they could have been, all of the things that were there were incredible. Like mm-hmm. it were all very well done, and there were so many just great memorable sequences and moments, and it's like that I can I can, I, I still like remember so clearly having come away from it like the oh man the scene where they're where they're like in the where where like the three of them are all like confessing to each other and oh that was they, that like was so they cute. keep running out of the room <laughs> that was a really well done scene but uh, um, i don't want to spend yeah. too much time yeah. on bell cuz there is a possibility that we could do a podcast on that okay. in the future too gosh i keep saying that in this episode i'm setting myself <laughs> up for so much disappointment there's so much content <laughs> so much content uh and th- there's a uh, couple of things that are in the news lately that i know you Bokusachi are very excited for so do you want to tell us about a couple of these things okay yeah so um if for anybody who's i guess wondering what my the namesake of my online handle is uh Bokusachi is the uh the sort of line that one of the characters says in an anime called deno coil uh that it came out in like 2007 directed by mitsuo iso who you may know as the guy who did the uh the asuka 
versus mass-produced Ava's fight scene in End of Evangelion. Uh, so Deno Coil is another one of my favorite anime, obviously, because I've modeled my like entire online persona after one of the characters. But like, so it's it's really good, and it is has I believe just today been posted up on Netflix. Um, it seems like what happened what's happened is I think Sentai, who had the license to it before or made in Japan. Uh, has like has, seems to have have lost like the license seems to have expired because it's not listed on their website anymore, but it's now available on Netflix. So I'm hoping that this will be able to bring one of my favorite shows to a, a bit of a wider audience and maybe get it some more appreciation. Because mm-hmm. this oh my may goodness, not so good. necessarily have anything to do with it per se, but we are just coming off of the announcement probably a few weeks ago that sentai had been acquired by amc productions like the the television company yeah. i don't so yeah i that, don't know if that's anything to do with it or if it's just I, the 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 license i think came out was like in 2016 so it's been a while mm. so it might have just expired yeah. or run out yeah no you're totally right but um and and while that that probably doesn't have anything to do with it yeah. i think it is possible that because of the changeover in management, we may see some things just not get renewed at some yeah, point. That's a possibility. Um, yeah, so I again that just be prepared for that audience. Although, the the timing on that though is, is somewhat fortuitous because uh the next kind of news item that uh, I wanted to bring up is that um the director, Mitsu Iso, his new uh project, Orbital Children, is gonna be coming out or I guess by the time you hear this, it will be out, but it's, it's one, at time of recording, it is coming out tomorrow on Netflix. And so I've been kind of avoiding like trailers and spoilers and stuff for this because I kind of want to go in fresh because it's, this is the first thing that he's worked on since Deno Coil in 2007. And I am just very long so time. excited to like finally get some, some new stuff from him. And like cuz i was i was there at the the convention panel when he announced this back in 2018 and uh, he showed some of like the concept art and the character designs and it looked really cool so it's some kind mm-hmm. of like science fiction thing and that's really all that i know um but yeah that's is a is any cool of thing. the other um is any of the other deno coil staff following him to this production that you know of um i i'm there i i would guess probably but i am not I have not been like looking into that yet. I will probably do more of that once I've actually seen the show. Mm, but mm. Um, yeah, it's like I I know what I'm doing this weekend basically. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you, Netflix content gods. Yes, I still need to finish Stone Ocean. Ugh. Oh, I've been doing that weekly. I've been keeping up with JoJo Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Friday. <laughs> Well, not always Friday, but I've at least been pretending like the episode doesn't come out till Friday. Every day. Friday is in your heart. Yeah, yeah every day that you watch JoJo is JoJo Friday. <laughs> doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Uh, it's been it's been pretty good. I've been enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Jolene Likewise. is a is a great JoJo. Um, okay. Did you want to talk about Biscuit Hammer? Yeah. So the other thing was I just really I just kind of wanted to mention it, but yeah, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer has been announced to get an anime project we don't know much else about it but i've this is notable to me because i've just started reading the manga like a month or two ago and i'm about two volumes in um it's it's pretty interesting it's 
I don't know quite what to make of it yet because this is a Mizukami series and from what I have read of his, which is I've read Spirit Circle, which I loved and I saw Planet With, uh, this is going to be flipping the plot on its head several more times before it finally reveals what's actually going on. So um, I am excited to keep reading it and excited to see what they do with the, the anime because this is a manga from 2005 so it's people have been like fans have been waiting for this to get adapted forever my entire twitter timeline was blowing up when i like when when i logged in uh the other night and this had been announced it was it's i'm so i am really excited for this to be a thing and i think it's meant to come out in 2022 sometime well we got that's great we got this manga from 2005 it's director that hasn't done anything since 2007 yeah i think um Yotsubo was, what, 99, <laughs> 2000? Something like that. And we're making our way so, back. So, uh, hey, I mean, the, you know, I swear. It's not a it's not a podcast that Andrew's on unless he, you know, tries to, you know, make a feeble plea to get a Yotsubo anime. I mean, come on. You've got to use the at platform least I'm on for brand. good. Right. Yes, yeah. I agree. Uh. <laughs> Chito and Yuri are both, you know, mochi balls. Yotsuba True, yeah. is a little girl who's awesome, and her manga is great. Can I have hope, please? I just want to have can. hope. I can. I want to lie to myself until it becomes true. There's a song. There's a song that uh, Yuri sings about things being hopeless, That's hopeless. True. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. no, that that definitely doesn't apply to you, Andrew. Please continue on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill, <laughs> and it's gonna be when I'm like 80 years old. I'm still gonna be talking about it. Well, Excellent. Carry on. We all just need to learn to get along with hopelessness. <laughs> mm. uh, and with that, uh, we're going to do a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Girls Last Tour in earnest. So don't go away. Bokusanchi, our esteemed guest, would you give the audience a general introduction to what this show is about? Of course. So, uh, Girls Last Tour is it's about two girls named uh, Chito and Yuri, or uh, Chi-chan and Yu, as they tend to call each other. And uh, so they're traveling around together in their, um, like this military vehicle, a Ketenkrad, through this largely sort of desolate post-apocalyptic world. 
and they uh, sort of they occasionally run into other people on their travels and uh, some some remaining like operational robots and stuff. But they're mostly spending their time together, uh, just traveling with the two of them and attempting to to get by on what little resources they have and reflecting on their time together, trying to enjoy the the little things and kind of come to an understanding of the world around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very straightforward plot, um, very straightforward characters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And sort of the as the show goes on, it's, it's more of like these characters sort of playing in this big sandbox world in a way where yeah. the story is really defined by the items and the people and the situations that they come across as they go through this world in a seemingly like sort of aimless fashion right, right. like each I mean, each episode has about two or three little skits that mm -hmm. that focuses on like a particular item or idea or person that they that the girls have stumbled upon in their travels and it's 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 very episodic but at the same time you've got sort of this ongoing story as they climb higher and higher through this city mm-hmm you were going to say something, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, the uh, uh, the city itself and the world itself is as big a character as anything in the show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it's a, uh, uh, you know, um, the prevailing sort of uh, conversations that they have around desperateness and hopelessness um, are more or less uh, visualized through, you know, the places they go right mm -hmm. yeah um, right but you know it's the inverse of that as well you know they talk a lot about hopelessness and a lot about uh you know trying to find meaning for themselves in this world mm -hmm. and sometimes they find little things right as bokusachi was just talking about with the little like focuses on items or like the little bits that they have with uh whatever people they run across you know they there's uh, hope bleeds through right mm -hmm. and uh, it, it I think uh, the parts of the series where they do focus on like hopeful topics are further like accentuated just because of like the space that they're in right looking so desperate mm -hmm. and feeling so desperate right like it's it's post-apocalyptic but it's not like fist of the north star post-apocalypse where there's like <laughs> no. bands of people running around beating each other up this is very much a, a more contemplative space and like the their whole thing is yeah, there's there's like hopelessness and it's very bleak like it, it does not this is not in denial in any way of how how bleak their situation is but they don't it doesn't really wallow in the misery of it it's more about them trying to find the things that can that can bring them like joy within this that can make their travels worthwhile it's about as as they say it's about getting along with the hopelessness of their situation and mm -hmm. making the best of it and before we get into talking about uh the series a little bit yeah, yeah, more yeah. you know in depth let's get to um, some, I do, uh, some like yeah, background and yeah i'm gonna give a just a, an overview of the the background of the series and how it came to be the series is based on a manga written by author and artist Tsukumizu and was originally published digitally in the magazine Kurage Bunch from 2014 until 2018. 
The manga won some domestic and international recognition, including the Swayan Award, I believe, uh, in 2019 for best comic. I think it's Seiyun. Seiyun? Yeah. Um, Either way, it's like a big um, Japanese mm sci-fi. Yeah, it's like a a sci-fi award. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for best comic there and it made the american library association's best books for teens list in 2018 which i fully endorse because i am a Mm -hmm. professional librarian (laughs) um but uh sukumizu also notes that he was inspired to make this work by the works of haruki murakami and the manga blame um blame especially for the idea to put it in a sort of post-apocalyptic setting in the summer of 2017, an anime adaptation was announced, which is notable because only the first four out of the eventual six collected Tankoban volumes had been released at that time, so the anime wasn't actually going to adapt the entirety of the series because the final two volumes had not been released yet. So uh, volume five actually came out in that, that September, like right when the show was coming out. Um, and so, like, the chapters from that were out at the time, but I don't think they were able to incorporate all of that into the show. But they did pull in um, some bits. Like, I think the flashback sequences were, like, from that uh, one of the chapters in, in Volume 5. You mean, like, the stuff with their grandpa? Yeah, where they're, where they're like, in the village and their grandpa's mm-hmm. is kind of thinking about that. was not actually in those chapters of the manga that was kind of pulled in mm-hmm. from later on. And I will say, we can go into this in a little bit more detail later, but even though considering it, it it has a, I would hesitate to even call it this, but it has like a read the manga ending, I will say that the ending that they came up with for the show I thought was very appropriate and at least to me could be a totally sufficient ending. Oh yeah. Even though I think that the, the ending for the manga is a little bit more substantial and a little bit more uh, thematically closure. appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we can we can talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah. Um, the studio behind the production of this anime was Studio White Fox, who had produced series such as Steins Gate, Akame Ga Kill, ReZero, and Goblin Slayer. The director, Takaharu Ozaki, has worked in the industry in a variety of roles since the late 90s, uh, one role of which was being the director of photography for the series Sound of the Sky, which is... I guess a little bit superficially similar to Girls Last Tour. Have you seen that, Bokusachi? Yeah, it's it's got it's got some similarities in terms of like, um, it's got sort of the it's it's sort of in the post-apocalyptic kind of vein, but like the the slice of post slice of life post-apocalyptic kind of vein, um, and it's got some of the the same sort of like oh there there are these specific. Like kind of World War Two, or I guess in in Sound of the Sky's case, it's more World War One era uh, technology that's there. But mm-hmm. um, I and think robots. I, I think the the what the two shows are trying to do is a very different thing. I agree. Um, but I could <laughs> I could see like a producer yeah, no, you or could, something. Yeah, I can see how he could those skills could kind of the the things that he picked up from Sound of the Sky definitely could carry over into his work on uh, Girls Last Tour. Right. I could imagine like a White Fox producer looking at at his work and being like, hey, this kind of looks like that thing that's coming up. Hey, you direct this show. Yeah, this would be Um, this would be a good fit for our adaptation of this manga. Yeah, right, right. I talked about Sound of the Sky a little bit on the best of 2021 episode that came out last time. And if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, you can go listen to that. But I I thought it was just okay. But that's just me. Um 
But uh, Ozaki was also the director for all of the Goblin Slayer franchise, which is not a, not a franchise I particularly care for. Um, but the most recent thing that he was working on is the series uh, Wave Surfing Yape with Asahi Productions, which is a sports anime about surfing. I had heard about that, but I have not yet gotten to check it out. Hmm. Girls Last Surfboard. <laughs> yeah. I think I think for me the 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 real kind of MVP of the from the animation side of this is is Mai Toda though the character designer because like uh, she's kind of the one who has that very uh, like squishy malleable stretchy style then that really kind of brings out the uh, the blobby aesthetic that makes the show so iconic like mm-hmm. it's there it's definitely yeah. there in the manga but I think she really emphasizes it in a way that that makes it uh, even stand out even more yeah mm. i mean yeah the, the the manga definitely looks just uh certainly not as much uh mochi ball as the uh as the series is it, it's a little bit of a different uh style in terms of the, the look of the characters but uh like uh the landscaping and mm. uh the, that that sort of uh general i'll call it technical i'll call it more technical mm. style of the manga uh, yeah. is, is is pretty consistent with the with the show. Although Tsukimizu pretty... did actually animate the uh, the ending sequence. Yeah, I was noticing that because it um it it definitely looked that's, like that's more in that manga style. style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say though that um, you know, I, I watched the anime first. I did go back and read portions of the manga, but I will say it's kind of amazing that they were able to translate the the very exaggerated blobbiness of the girls into motion and make it work like uh, and it doesn't look too fake i guess like i don't Mm -hmm. know it's like they they made it they made it work they really leaned into the blobbiness while still maintaining sort of a uh a general character cohesiveness right uh, so our two main lead characters, Chi and Yuri, are voiced in Japanese by Inori Minase and Yurika Kubo. Um, and I think that they both do a pretty incredible job. But some of the things that you might know them from is uh, Minase is probably most known for being Hestia in the <clears throat> Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Uh, she also plays Rem in ReZero and uh the main character of Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, which I know Andrew Andrew likes that. I saw show. that. It was all right. Yeah. But to me, in my heart, she's always going to be Carol from Symphogear. Mm. Just the the, sh- the, uh, the big kind of villain anti-hero character screaming her lungs out and trying to destroy the world. And, oh, it's great. But completely opposite of this role. <laughs> Does she also sing? Oh, she does. It's great. Excellent. She's got like some of the best songs in the in the whole series, for, in in my opinion, because I'm kind of a, a bit of a metalhead, and they're they're some of the harder going tracks. Very cool. Uh, Kubo, um, Yurika Kubo, the voice of Yuri. She's probably most well known for being Hanayo Koizumi in the original Love Live lineup. So it's it seemed it does seem very interesting that they picked two voice actresses that wa- that are also known for their singing ability mm-hmm. because i mean i guess generally speaking you would not really think that 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 would be part of 
what they would want to do for this show but i guess it makes sense because that they they did incorporate two uh songs sung by both of them as the opening and ending theme um and uh, a couple of interstitial yeah, there's a couple interstitial of other songs yeah i i can i can th- i guess i don't know if they did it with that in mind but there's definitely a couple of very important moments that revolve around song mm-hmm. that is true also the op um, and ed are amazing they are very they good. are I don't know if they're better than the rain song. But, no, uh, they're not. But I love. But I still love them. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later yeah. too. Um, so um, initially, whenever I was writing the production notes for this, I did not. I didn't know if I really wanted to go, you know, deep into the other characters that show up in this show because most of the time the side characters that appear in this series are in it for like one episode and then they're done so i thought maybe i'll just stick to the main cast of chi and yuri for this one but looking into the credits of it i thought okay so they they really did a great job with uh, some some bringing in some special guest stars to voice some of the brief uh secondary characters that show up so i I had to mention uh who they brought in for this series so for example uh kanazawa the uh, map maker the cartographer that they meet he is voiced by akira ishida who is none other than the iconic og silver-haired mystery boy uh kaoru nagisa in evangelion and about a trillion other things it's our boy (laughs) yeah uh, yeah i think he's probably best known like i think people like in the broader anime sphere probably know him as like gara from naruto but like i think the the most impressive thing that i've seen him do recently was he was uh yakumo like the main character from rakugo shinju and so he played Mm -hmm. him in like all the different stages of his life and that was one of the and, and did all of like the rakugo performances and like him as both like a a young upstart and an old bitter old man and it was one of the most incredible voice acting anime performances I've ever seen. And he is just a one-off character in this show. (laughs) (laughs) Rakugo Shinju is one of those big critical white whales that I just haven't touched like at all. I haven't seen a single second of that series, but I know it's one that probably when I watch it, I'll be like, oh yeah, everybody was right about this. That's actually probably my biggest contender against this show for anime of the decade from last decade. Hmm. Mm, I see, I see. So, Bokusachi trying to influence me even further. Yeah, I, I, I see another your game. plug in there, yeah. <laughs> so, Ishii, the pilot that they meet, is voiced by Kotono Mitsuishi, who we've mentioned before on this podcast. She is the iconic Sailor Moon herself, Usagi Tsukino, and she's also the, I'll say, more iconic <laughs> Misato Katsuragi in Evangelion and of course the legendary Tai Yamada in Zombieland Saga not just Tai Yamada you have to put the legendary in there too oh yeah of course mm-hmm. it's part the of her cute name. little cat it is the cute little cat creature or cut creature that they pick up is voiced by Kana Hanazawa who is Akane Sunimori in Psychopaths she is Mayuri Shina in Steins Gate and most recently Mitsuri Kanryoji in Demon Slayer yeah I'm I'm kind of semi ashamed to admit that uh the, I know her as from is uh Kuroneko from Oriimo <laughs> well in all honesty that's I would imagine that like that that show has that was like probably her big breakout role actually probably either that or the snake girl from uh yeah. monogatari yeah with the with the song she did run eye circulation i think yes. was the one she did 
Yeah. Yeah, she's you may not know who she is, but you probably know the meme. Yeah. Um and finally, the automaton that they meet in the aquarium is voiced by Yuki Kaji, who is the voice of Aaron Yeager in Attack on Titan. He's Todoroki in My Hero Academia, and he is Andrew. Uh, you like this show, right? He is Nishikata in uh, Teasing Master Takagi-san. Yeah, uh, speaking of that show, uh, season three of that is coming out right now. Or is it season on two? On yet another, on um, a third streaming service. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it is. Oh, no. um, I've seen a, I've seen a couple episodes of it, and it's quite good. Oh, that's great! <laughs> well, at least at least the show is good, even if it's a little hard to track down all of it in order. Well, yeah, I mean, like we went... You have to watch it. Like the only way to see it is like it's like um. I'm trying to come up with a good analogy for this. It's like a a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it. Right. Right. You have to you have to be watching the tree, so you have to you, you have to be on the ball if you want to watch yeah. Takagi-san. You have to be there when it's when yeah when it's coming out where it's going to be, so you can see it and watch it, and then you can't find it again. Okay, here let me Although, help you with the analogy. It's like a lunar eclipse. You have to know when it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's good. That works. I'm going to coin <laughs> that. And I'm going to write that one down. Yeah. All right. Because so, it was first on Funimation, then yeah. Netflix. Wow. And now high dive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it's just running the whole the whole list of them down. Mm-hmm. Season four will be on Amazon Prime. Season five yeah. will be on Disney Plus. It'll never end. <laughs> Season six will be on um, Retro Crush. <laughs> It'll be on um, yeah Quibi. Remember that? Oh, oh no, Peacock. Oh no. <laughs> and uh, uh, you had another note about oh, yes, uh, I Yuki did. Kaji. The uh, the of course we all know that despite you know Aaron Yeager, Todoroki, yeah, whatever, the real standout role for Yuki Kaji is that he is the voice of all the Bananyas from Bananya. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Shares the stage with the iconic Mike Tool because yeah. I'm pretty sure that they left Yuki Kaji's performance <laughs> in there for the dub. I think they did. I think you're right. If they didn't, that'd be a mistake. Yes, because it was great. Issue all complaints to Discotech Media. <laughs> oh, and uh, a bonus, a bonus that I didn't even write down until you told me about it. So yeah, so I, I, I discovered this as I was doing my rewatch right before the show. Um, the I, I looked at the last the end credits because I realized, wait a minute, this cast is kind of stacked. I wonder if who is playing like the big mushroom lady at the end, and the and she is actually voiced by Sumi Shimamoto, who you may know as Clarice Cagliostro from Lupin the Third, Castle Cagliostro, uh, Saint-Just from Saint from Dear Brother, uh, Kyoko from Miyazoni Koku, Ginrei from Giant Robo, and uh, oh yeah, Nausicaa from from Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is the the voice of the big mushroom at the end, telling them about how the world is dying. And they take their cat away. Yeah. Mm, sad. Well, dang! I, like I totally, I completely missed that. So thank you for uh, for putting that note in because yeah. I mean, like I yeah, said, I, mean, I didn't the, even know that until just this time too. So. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about the the guest the guest appearances in the show being pretty stacked. It's like they they really just got a like a like an anime voice acting hall of fame. Right, like, to come okay, in we only we only need characters. you to do like ten lines, so we can bring in whoever <laughs> like the most expensive voice actors. Come on, bring them all over. Yeah, but I think it does it does reflect you know the the, the characters real they're not the characters the um the creators of the show really um saw this as being something worthwhile to put that yeah. extra special touch into um 
So uh, you, you always like to see that. You you like to see it when um, because oftentimes anime can seem like kind of a uh, you know we just we do the thing, we get it done, we put it out, and then it's over. Like well, more mean, disposable. Yeah. But um, I mean, it is always like, nice to see them do things like this. Yeah, and like you could tell, like as soon as you pick up a volume of the manga, you're just like, oh, this is neat and mm-hmm. different. You know, it's not yeah. like a um. You know, what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna talk crap about uh, Isekai series, but there are a <laughs> lot of them. I'll just say that. It's true. Right? It's true. There are but, a lot like, of them. Put, right. You say so, like you you look at the spine of girls last tour right and then you pick it up and you could just sort of you can tell that it's something special right mm-hmm. it's um you know i mean difference in a world and especially an anime world where the, a lot of the same series come out a lot of the time hmm. be it um a normal uh neat plopped into a fantasy world or you know two mochi balls driving around in a German half-tracked motorcycle. I guess one thing that is worth noting is sort of how this show came over to um, the United States. And I think it, it, it has an interesting story behind it because it's part of a a, uh, a defunct way of getting anime to our eyeballs mm. that I, I find very interesting that I think people people deserve to remember so that the uh, the past doesn't doesn't go away mm-hmm. much like uh much like uh chi writing in her uh in her journal right, i'm gonna yeah. do that right now and talk about anime strike so oh if you boy. guys don't remember anime strike was a very short-lived anime streaming service tier i do remember it's important a streaming service tier yep. via amazon prime it only lasted about a year and girls last tour was one of the last titles that they snagged for the service a lot of the other notable titles were things like made in abyss wotakoi land of the lustrous and welcome to the ballroom uh, um so a lot of the i guess big shows that if you look back on on at 2017 maybe not the biggest shows yeah but like, like some stuff all that, of the, the like cool niche shows were like yeah, yeah, yeah like the cult classics were like yeah these are going on anime strike where no one's gonna watch them <laughs> right yeah and and you can you can kind of tell how much Amazon was really uh, um, invested in playing mm-hmm. the long game mm-hmm. because you know the the, steer, the 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 tier series the the hold on the tier only lasted for about a year like almost a year to the date well, yeah no one was <laughs> going to pay for a double paywall where you have to buy Amazon Prime and then on top of Amazon Prime you have to pay an additional subscription fee for just the anime mm-hmm. stuff when and especially because there were only like five exclusive shows on it right but didn't they have yeah. did wasn't weren't those um I remember Awa probably 2 to 3 years ago um probably it's probably more like 4 or 5 uh because of you know what COVID does to time, but I do remember seeing like the big Maiden Abyss banners. And yeah. I think, um, oh goodness, one other show, but I do remember seeing those big banners. Were those Anime Strike banners? 
I, I imagine I think, that they were. I no, I think that those were because here's here's another problem with with um anime strike that I'll get into, but I'm pretty sure those were after Sentai Filmworks had picked up the rights to Made okay. in Abyss. And like Girls Last Tour, most of the stuff that was on Anime Strike, not all of it, but most of it did end up getting licensed out by other companies. I think sure. there's a few things that are still on there, and most of them went to uh, Sentai Filmworks. Well, I think Girls they're Last all Tour still included. on Prime. Yeah, they are available on Prime, so you can still watch them there, oh. but Anime Strike as a tier, yeah. as like a thing that they were trying to push, is is, is, is gone. long gone. Yeah, yeah that's good. Thankfully. And time to time, Amazon Prime will get some exclusives. Like, I think they got the first season of um, Vinland Saga. Yeah. Um, But that wasn't part of Anime Strike. It was just generally on Prime. And, like, uh, the Evangelion Rebuild movies are exclusively available on Prime, yeah, but that's right. not part of Strike. So Strike was a very specific, short-lived thing that just doesn't exist anymore. Strike was sort of indicative of Amazon's, like, a desire to get into, like, a hot thing that they really didn't know what to do with. Because a lot of the times, their shows would end up on on strike but they would not be well advertised they would not have much of a i remember the anime strike twitter account would very often post like extremely grainy um like promo posters for their uh for their like new releases and it wasn't a very active social media account not like what you see with with some of the big boys like funimation sentai discotech etc And, but they had yeah, it, yeah, yeah, they had it on like a BlackBerry. <laughs> it was also just, yeah, just hard to find things on the service, even after like it went away. Like it is just yeah. hard to to search for things and have them come up on Prime. And it's difficult to get people to pay for a thing like that whenever right. your audience is already paying for Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and other anime services right right and i know that this was a pattern for amazon to an extent because i don't know if they still have this but they had the same service called like britbox or something like that that was like just for british tv i feel like i remember and, like, them that having was the like only a bollywood place. one too yeah they had a few so it, it was just kind of a mess and i'm really glad that they abandoned it um but the unfortunate thing is that Wotakoi is still stranded on there that needs to somebody needs to get that that's a good show has that not been picked up by anybody no it's still oh. just on prime wow okay huh. i would think like i feel like if sentai got that they would be like that would be one of their big sellers because they they would know how to market it they could get an english dub and that's another thing too the anime strike didn't do any english dubs um at all which mm-hmm. uh are well, they not didn't have, they didn't have time to. Uh, right, they weren't around in just like enough. a year yeah. of having the. They weren't the around long enough to to even make one. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, but you would think that they would want to launch with a bang, like their first yeah. one comes out and it's got a brand new dub. Because even if even if like most anime fans don't really care which one they watch, sub or dub, um, like just having the English language version available is really good for getting eyeballs on your product because, you know, people just kind of looking for content more often than not, they're going to want to have it in their native right. language. I mean, English dubs are gate are gateway drugs. Exactly. You know, they are. to this space. Indeed. Uh, well, I guess, um, 
let's go ahead and just jump into talking about the actual show itself. So, um, so I kind of, I'll talk about how I discovered it. I mean, I, I kind of discovered it like you discover most anime nowadays. You just hear about it on social media whenever it gets announced. Um, I had no prior knowledge about the manga or anything like that. So my story of how I got exposed to this series for the first time is pretty boring. But I will say that at the time I was running an anime club out of the coffee shop where I worked. And we did every so often whenever a new season would come out, we would do um, seasonal sampler meetings. Mm -hmm. And um, Girls Last Tour was one of the series that we did that day. And uh, it was very well received. People people really enjoyed it. So um, that's my very boring way that I got introduced to the show. But, you know, over time and through Bokusachi's uh, hypnotic suggestion, I did <laughs> end up watching it for real. I, I think I actually sat down and watched it all the way through like late 2019. I remember it was winter time because this is very much a series that I think it should be a crime to not watch it in winter. Like if you're watching this in summertime, what are you doing? Trying to feel cold. Yep. I guess. <laughs> so uh, Bokusachi, how did you get introduced to the show for the first time? How did you discover it? So I'm, my, my discovery is kind of similarly boring where like this is just one of the, like I was looking through, this was back when like, it was possible to go and, and sample all of the sh new shows in a, in a given season. And so I was like looking through the, the seasonal chart and was like, oh, hey, this is the one. This was one of the ones that, that looks interesting. It's got a cool premise and an intriguing artwork. I want to check this out. And so that was just one of the ones that I picked up as part of the season. Um, so I guess the fact that it came out, it was coming out throughout like the fall and, and early winter. It was it made it it gave me a very good environment for watching the show because i was just mm -hmm. sitting under a kotatsu getting nice and cozy uh watching the uh the good blobs do their thing <laughs> and so that that's probably the more interesting part of it it's just kind of oh this was one of the season shows i picked up and it ended up being one that i really liked yeah like a totally pedestrian sort of approach to something that ends up meaning a lot to you that's yeah. a good story in of itself and i will say i'll just go on the record to say that the people of third impact anime are just shameless posers because none of us actually have a kotatsu whereas you do so you've already got one up on us and we yeah. have a sub show called kotatsu corner so we're just terrible well, hey, I was I was listening to Kotatsu Corner under the Kotatsu the other day, so I've lent you at least some legitimacy, I think. The first time I saw the show, probably, was um, at, uh, was in the viewing room at Hamacon, what, 10? In 2019? That would have been the final Hamacon, so yeah, summer of 2018. It was the one. It was not the last Hamacon. It was the one that was right before that. Oh, okay. I think that was. I remember at first. I think that was the first time I remember actually physically seeing the show, mm -hmm. right? And they were playing like episode. It was like episode three or four or something like that. And then um, I ran into it again when I was researching for my. Um, panel that i do on a yashike series on he on healing series uh there's sense. a yeah mm -hmm. and uh so i i ran into it again there and uh austin mentioned earlier in the show that i had not seen it before this which is not true uh i had uh i had watched uh 
I don't think I'd finished it, but I had watched um, a good bit of it before, um, probably about two, three years ago, um, as as research for my Yash K panel, and uh, really liked it then. I still really like it now. Um, the most recent time I watched this because Austin made me for a podcast, but uh, <laughs> that was not uh, my my initial discovery of uh, Girls Last Tour. So I guess yeah, like first reactions versus most recent reactions, like generally how do we feel about the show i mean i guess i'll i'll go ahead and get started um i really like this show i think it's really special and really unique in what it's trying to do i think a lot of post-apocalyptic stories can get really mired in the details of like okay here are the dynamics of the world here's exactly how things went to crap here's what people are doing about it here's people like reflecting on you know the the horrible event that caused the outbreak or the destruction and things like that and there's always some sort of like there tends to be an antagonism between Mm -hmm. our main characters and whatever you know force is out there in the world preventing them from getting to their goals whether it be like i don't know zombie stories or you know um things like that i guess it's just the first one that comes to mind because there's so many of them in the post-apocalyptic genre or um or something like you mentioned fists of the north star where it's not zombies it's like other people out there creating trouble because there's no there's no laws there's no systems and sort of anarchy takes over um and that's what you typically see in your sort of bog standard like post-apocalyptic story but girls last tour is not about that like whatsoever it's really about these two girls sort of navigating their day-to-day lives and trying to basically trying to survive and trying to sort of carve out what they want their life to look like in this world where all they really have is each other and a destination that's not really clear so it becomes a lot less about like what they're doing necessarily or what they're trying to accomplish but really you know how how do they fit into the situations that they find themselves in uh with each other like um you know how do they you know fix the ketenkrad whenever it breaks down how do they um protect themselves during a snowstorm how do they get to the point where they can have their next bath how do they um navigate um like a a chasm that they can't cross you know little things like that uh interspersed with them just sort of happening upon you know random items or people that sort of inform them about you know other things that may be going on in this world or things that happened in the past without really dwelling on you know what is quote-unquote the mission which right. a lot of those types of stories get really caught up in like, like we don't the last have a of big us. narrator coming and telling us oh here are the things that happened in the world and here's how we got no. to this state and the, 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 <laughs> the this is more uh this is more like the girls are more interested in what's in front of them at the moment that can help them on their journey or that can maybe give them a little clue that they're trying to guess and figure out maybe like mm-hmm. what things used to be like or how things got here, but they don't really know. It's just like we don't really know. And, and we kind of are learning these things along with them. And it's much more of a personal approach rather than um, 
trying to build up all of this deep lore. Yeah, completely. Like, like I was thinking of something like The Last of Us, where ostensibly the the goal is like we got to get Ellie to the place so that they can use her to make the cure and like stuff like that for the for the outbreak and like there's really none of that going on here it's just about the girls yeah. sort of taking it one day at a time yep they're they're taking the world in as it comes to them mm -hmm. a good comparison uh in uh western media is like the uh like the first chapter of i am legend which is just will smith mm -hmm. and the dog and you don't run into like, going to the video store yeah and then yeah you don't <laughs> you don't run into like the uh i don't forget i forget what they're called i want to call zombies the zombie vampire things yeah, yeah zombie vampire things they're called freakers in um <laughs> in uh days gone and i want to call all zombies freakers because that is a <laughs> horrible name the the walking <laughs> freakers yeah, yeah i like that so i think that uh so th that whole uh sort of um side of, of, of post-apocalyptic living where it's like will smith hitting golf balls on the on the thing wherever mm. you know, on the first bit of I put, legend i hadn't put that together but that's actually that, that kind of makes a little bit of sense i can see that so you yeah can see, and and how like the um at that point in that film and throughout girls last tour like the mm -hmm. the why is not important you know yeah it doesn't matter what caused anything right because that's not the story the story is about chi and yuri living mm -hmm. you know and uh i think that is uh some a neat wrinkle that you can add to a to a, especially at this time where there were so many post-apocalyptic things coming out right mm -hmm. um and you know there's certainly not as many more post-apocalyptic things coming out now but like when yeah, walking the landscape popular, has shifted a bit but yeah yeah, it has and mm -hmm. um so adding a, a a neat wrinkle to a pretty common theme or trope that we see a lot is a, is a really you know a big win for for the show yeah and i think it's interesting that we're all sort of collectively pointing out what the show doesn't do as opposed to other things in its genre because that's kind of the mm -hmm. point right it's about like the the beauty of girls last tour is that it's a scaled backstory where it's just about the simplicity of these two girls and their sort of reflection to each other rather than anything that's like actually happening right it's very like meditative contemplative it's, it's the mm -hmm. the city this post-apocalyptic landscape isn't meant to be like oh look at the 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 decadence and horribleness of man it's supposed to be just it's supposed to be a place to reflect on things and figure out what's important to us, what it has, what it means and has meant to us to be alive, mm -hmm. to be human, and kind of remove all of that, like experience all of that removed from the the noise and like the hustle and bustle of society.
I guess to go back a little bit, um, for you, Bokusachi, like, did did your love and appreciation for this show sort of come about on on your first viewing? How many how many times have you watched it? Like, did was your love for this sort of self evident immediately, or was it something that you came to later? I think I've seen like so the whole show. I think I've I've gone through about three times now there are certain episodes Mm -hmm. five that i have seen um (laughs) many many more than that but um the i think so the first time i watched it 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 took a little bit to to fully click with me i think it took until about episode five actually um Mm. where of course episode five the the rain song the house the dream was just like absolutely perfect the whole way through but yeah. The um and not not to cut you off on that, yeah. but I think uh, in reading the interview with uh, Sukumizu that he um, that he did with a Japanese magazine, and we'll have a link to this uh, to the translation of that in the show notes. But um, he I think it was the that the the manga chapter that that episode is based on is like what he did as like the pilot for the manga. I think it was the bath episode, is what he said. Oh, uh, was it He's, the bath no, episode? The, the, okay. the, the rain episode, I think, is the one he said was his favorite. Oh, okay. Okay, I got those confused. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. Carry on. But yeah, so the yeah the bath episode was the one where he's like, this is basically the show encapsulated in one, in one little story. But the uh, the rain is the rain episode is the one he said it was his favorite. But like mm-hmm. as like the first couple of episodes, um, I I think I think it might have been in part. Um, I I can't tell if it's um that they were trying to spice it up a little bit or if they were trying to still kind of find the vibe of the show. But there was still a a few things that were kind of jarring um, about like kind of harshing the vibe, I guess is a way to say it, of the show (laughs) where like you've got um, like once you like once it kind of and it's when it's at its best points, it has this very distinctive energy where there's no um like there's very little tension there's very little uh conflict or judgment or anything going on and it's just the girls kind of observing things and there will be like it'll introduce some idea and then they will kind of have it come up and be relevant and they'll comment on oh i guess this was that and um but kind like of they earlier, do this with like a camera they yeah. do this with like uh you know a fish that they catch right. they reflect and on like oh, wow, this was a fish, you know, people used to eat these, right. and then they eat one. Yeah, and then that's kind of how that it progresses, and they kind of, how they learn about these things. And kind of earlier mm-hmm. on, it seemed like they were, in, like, comparing it to, so I, went, uh, I guess to disclo- for disclosure for this time that I went through it, I was actually reading the manga along with while I was watching the show. And so I was kind of drawing the comparison of, like, what, did they change anything? And, like, for the most part, it's, it's an extremely faithful adaptation, like, studiously faithful most of the things they added were like these wonderful, like they expanded on these scenes that were just a quick page in the manga and they just expanded them out into these these great little mood pieces with that choral soundtrack in the background. And yeah. it's like the, mm-hmm. with, with them like going through the that first chasm was amazing. That first building was like amazing. And that was a, a much longer thing. And also the like the cooking scene where they're making all of the, the, the rations, yeah. like things like that, they kind of expanded on in the anime to to make it something a bit more special um but some of the things that they did earlier on it felt like like i think they played up stuff like uh you pointing like pulling a gun on chi in the first episode (laughs) they they really kind of juiced that up over what was in the manga and it felt a little Mm -hmm. jarring to come back to their sort of camaraderie after that i kept waiting for it had it kind of set me up for like i'm waiting for a shoe to drop 
um, because of how dramatic they made that particular scene. And they mm. also just kind of generally, I think they made you a little bit mean for a couple of episodes because mm. they weren't quite mm. sure how, what to do with her, it seems like, where like um, she is she uses the gun a little bit more like with Kanazawa. She kind of keeps him more at gunpoint when he's helping them out with the bridge because it's, I guess, and it built, makes it seem like he's a little more distrustful than he maybe did in the manga or um, like when they're driving and you kind of bonks Chi on the head and the, in the manga, that's all that happens. But in the anime, it almost makes her drive off a cliff and they're in danger. And in the scene where like they're, uh, you accidentally burns one of Chi's books. Um, yeah. It kind of in the anime, it, they, it has her like it makes it seem like she's contemplating doing it again when in the manga like when she goes to sleep but then in the manga um it's just her she j takes the book and starts drawing an, an apology in it and so like mm. they, they do kind of play that up a little bit and make it it makes it seem like there's going to be more conflict in the show than there is but yeah. that kind of fades away a little bit over that fades away over time and yeah, that's i think they kind of figured it out mm -hmm. and yeah. like I think that I think that happens around like episode four or five, and that's when it started to really click with me. As I think that's when it started to really click with the animators. Like, oh, here's what this is, and this is, it's got this particular this particular tone to it that is is very laid back, and there's not going to be much in the way of conflict in this show. Right, you know, like definitely the uh, the whole. Um the teasing of tension or teasing of like a uh the the other shooter drop right that definitely mm -hmm. exists a lot more in the first few episodes of the show yeah and to an extent like i mean like the whole scene where they are going up the spiral and that was that was like that in the manga too they didn't play that up quite right. as much as they did the earlier stuff sure Th that, that was always meant to be like a little scary right yeah and, and so there's still still definitely mm -hmm. moments of like intrigue or um you know direness of their situation mm -hmm. but right. uh i will oh go ahead sorry I, I i mean more or less it's um like like bokusachi said it's uh they the latter parts of the show become much more uh calm right and they become mm -hmm. much more about the characters themselves as opposed to the danger that they're in yeah right? and yeah. Uh, i think that is more of a story that the animators figured out later on that they were just like well we've got our footing now we know what we want to do and it's this and it's not what, what we did you know a few times I mean, earlier in the series right? i mean the, the 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 first few episodes are mostly like that it's just that there's a few weird moments that kind of shake it up yeah. a little bit and it, I, I guess it, it does overcome that later. It's like when, right. by the time we had yeah. episode five, I was just, I was, that's when I was just in love with the show. And from that point mm -hmm. on, I was, this is, this is amazing. I think, mm -hmm. I think like the first tweet that I made about this show was like this girl's last tour is magical posted like a couple days after episode five aired. And <laughs> so like, this is, so I, I, it took me a little bit to ramp up, but I, I fell in love with it by that point like the mm -hmm. um that's definitely what happened and then so this time um i, I guess in, in in later watches it's been um kind of more about going back and it's like i know i i had, I had at that point seen it again i had read the manga i know 
basically what's going on and I'm kind of looking for kind of subtler things that oh here's something cool that it does or here's some some of the deeper thematic yeah. stuff that it's getting into in this episode and so I was I, I definitely got some stuff out of it that I hadn't before and mm-hmm. um, so that was that but I think for the most part it was pretty um, pretty similar with the exception of like mm-hmm. oh I'm starting to notice things between different between the manga and the anime but those are mostly very small things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have to think if like maybe the the production team like wanted to play those certain scenes up not only just to you know shoot to get to their runtime but also to be a little bit sly in saying like oh you may expect that this show is going to have some sort of like big shoe drop where you turn a corner and you see a bunch of like zombies that chase them and then they have to shoot them down or something silly like that especially for people that are not familiar with the source material like people going to this totally blind and think it's going to be like just basically just like everything else um so you you have to wonder if they if they thought that maybe playing up some of that tension would be you know kind of a a, an interesting bait and switch i I don't know it's a hook you know it's a way to it's a way to get people to kind of uh you know pop a question mark above their head right yeah it's Mm -hmm. a it's a way to 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 get people more invested in the characters if they think Mm -hmm. well i mean that's what they do in everything right if there's danger implemented then it actually makes you want to like connect with the characters a little bit more they don't do that exactly here but uh you know it's a it's a way of getting people in the door right and I think you would be amiss to be like, oh, this is just kind of a walk in the park type of series because right. there are there are some moments that do arise where, you know, there really is real danger involved and mm-hmm. the audience is supposed to think, well, we don't really know where she and Yuri are going to, like how they're going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. We really don't know how this stranger that they just met is going to react to them. And like, you know, whenever whenever the guy right. says, um, whenever um, Kanazawa introduces himself for the first time and he like coughs, he's just like oh it's been so long since i've been able to speak because i haven't had anybody to talk to or something like that you don't really know how this guy is going to react to them and that's like a very valid concern that you would have for these characters so i guess i guess uh going down that path a little bit more about some of the more serious things that the series does bring up because i mean we are dealing with basically a dead world and then figuring out how to survive i do think it is kind of amazing how the show constantly sort of it it makes us aware about how serious the situation that they are in that they are in is and makes us aware like that this world is in a really really bad shape like no one is around for the most part the people that they do meet are like gone just as soon as they appear um and we don't really know what happens to them. They don't really come back in the no, end. We don't. We don't ever see so, them again. Never. We don't really know what their fate is. Um, like the the mushroom people at the end are like, you two are the only ones still alive. And it's like, do, okay. So does that mean that the other people like died, or do they just the mushroom people just not know about them, or did they leave the yeah. city, or like what happened? But we don't really ever know. Yeah. Right, and and we interact with all, with a lot of these machines that are very sad because like they don't really have much of a purpose anymore, and they're just kind of operating on autopilot, with no one around in sight to ostensibly be operating them. Um, Taking so care it, of the last really fish is, is a very important job. It is a very important yeah. job. Do not eat it, please. 
that was a that was a great uh, episode. I like that a lot. Uh, that was one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm, for sure. So, I mean, there are a lot of themes that we're supposed to reckon with. It's just like, what, well, what does what does loss and loneliness sort of look like in this in in this type of world? What what does the the friendship between Chi and Yuri really mean whenever you know they literally are all that both of them have left um and the cat and crad of course which <laughs> right. even that no manga spoilers but uh you know yeah um, yeah i mean it, it it runs into some trouble even in the anime the whole reason they run into to ishi the pilot is because they need her help to repair the the cat and crad when it breaks down so it's like there there is that like you you really get the sense that I mean this is it, that's one of their most important companions and mm-hmm. oh yeah even like even that's kind of on the fritz a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, I know you're, you're you're kind of an expert in this regard. So yeah. what is, what is a ketten crad? Where did that come from? Is okay. that a real thing? Yeah, it is. It's a uh, it, what it is is a uh, German World War II like half tracked half motorcycle like small vehicle. Um, it was designed and 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 initially manufactured in 1939, just as uh, World War II was getting on. And uh, one common thread that you will find among uh, generally <laughs> uh, German World War II designs and vehicles is uh, if they have an idea, no matter if it's really like good or bad or efficient or not, they'll do it. <laughs> you know? So uh, I-, I equate the uh, the. Uh, German way of engineering and manufacturing to this, right? So, do this is kind remember, of a goofy little vehicle, isn't it? It is, and uh, they are very much always interested in creating wrinkles to things that might not necessarily need a wrinkle. <laughs> um, so, like, you remember when Audi first introduced like the LED running lights, like on their on their vehicles like underneath the car no 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 like as on the headlights right okay i'll take your word for it okay so anyway so the the, they marketed it as uh, saving energy right Mm, but then somebody asked volvo how much energy it takes to just have regular like bulb running lights on your car they said it would save gas right audi said it would save gas and they were like so uh volvo did a study which is a swedish company they did a study and they came back and said it is literally not measurable how much fuel that saves you by having led running lights 
<laughs> it's not a measurable amount of fuel. And of course, the Germans are like, wie will cut it in half, you know? So the whole idea of the Kettenkrad being a... It, it, it's a it, it's not necessarily something that uh was all that helpful it's certainly iconic because uh it's a tracked motorcycle right um right. but i mean it only it only transports two people in terms of a practical use say in i don't know a war it makes great sense for chi and yuri because yeah, it's perfect they're for only them. two and yeah. it's perfect for for them but also it's still kind of small right it's not like they mm -hmm. can pull uh, I, I i know at one point um uh yuri mentions like when they're doing the house episode she looks down at the kettenkrad and is like that's our house right mm -hmm. yeah. and um so it, it functions for them perfectly because they're two small beans running around in this little world but uh you know it's as a design why, why don't you just have a motorcycle you know uh but uh it, it's a really neat sort of iconic vehicle and i think it's cool to use in the girls last tour world um because they pull a lot of their themes for like especially with how the way chi and yuri they dress right so they, they're dressed in sort of what we would it, it, it's a I would call it a a fantasy sort of interwar kind of a mix between World War One and World War Two style of dressing, because of course they wear the helmets and uh, they wear the uh, she has like the white cross on her arm and then uh, mm -hmm. Yuri has the white cross on her helmet. Um, those are kind of things that we would. Uh, either associate i think in terms of imagery i think we would associate that with the axis powers more or less but uh, i don't know if it's exactly as clear-cut as that but uh and of course they use a german world war ii vehicle and then yuri's rifle is a is an arasaka type 99 which is a japanese standard issue weapon from world war ii right so hmm. you get those um you get that imagery a little bit. I don't know if it's really that important to the story, though, other than sort of equating it to kind of date it, more or less, to give it a time frame in which the world sort of ended. Uh, right, because they had these enormous towering metropolis, like multi-level metropolises yeah. in, in the World War II era. I, mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if these are like almost museum pieces that they've that they've like pulled yeah. out for for their own yeah. use because seems, they ran out of other stuff. Yeah, and I think in a way, and Andrew, you might get to this, but I think that the fact that they're using like these very archaic, like very old um, pieces of technology is maybe in a way to signal that they are um, that Chi and Yuri themselves are vulnerable. And they are not that well equipped to exist in this vast dead metropolis that has like giant robots and giant trains everywhere. Um, so maybe the fact that they're using this old like, uh, um, I don't know, like petroleum fueled like 
um, I don't know what you call just very, very vintage vehicle and this old, like, bolt-action rifle mm-hmm. is just to sort of indicate that, like, um, that they are at an inherent disadvantage. Right. I mean, sort of. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, the thing that kind of pulls me away from that way of thinking is the uh, the refueling station that they found with Kanazawa, right? Hmm. It was a big refueling station that was probably made for trains, um, or some kind of other larger vehicle, but I mean, it take it uses the same fuel that the Kettenkrat uses, right? Mm-hmm. And they're able to when they go to uh, Ishi and with the broken part, they were able to fix the Kettenkrad with whatever parts that they were using in this airplane repository, which is kind of like an aviation museum, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could kind of play to the Kettenkrad and um, Yuri's rifle being more archaic. I don't know if it's that as much because in all like the little um, sort of flashback scenes that we see uh, when they're leaving their, their grandfather, for instance, like they're leaving in the vehicle. They're not yes. leaving in. Yeah, they, um, leave, they leave in the Kettenkrad. And, right. So it yeah. was at least something that they maybe... Had they had and that they deemed was sort of i don't know important enough they they trusted that the Kettenkrad crowd would get them to wherever they were going to go grandpa could trusted that vehicle like, with being it wasn't able it, to they, it wasn't transfer. like oh this is a, whole, a hunk of junk that's going to fall apart as soon as we right. leave like they they trusted mm-hmm. it, would, it would take them as far as they needed to go and it was also something that like it, clearly the military could spare it like it wasn't this huge yeah. like right vehicle it's something that they could like sneak away and and sure. run off and not have to deal with um um the military like needing it for the battle or whatever right yeah i mean i think all of that is is valid and makes sense uh i think that uh you know it it, it plays to this idea that uh there were bigger fish to fry at the moment for for whoever be it a military organization or a paramilitary organization or whatever entity uh like a particular country whatever wherever chi, chi and yuri came from or whatever mm-hmm. they escaped uh like didn't it didn't didn't seem to um it, it didn't seem like they came from some kind of antiquated um ill-equipped sort of uh paramilitary faction that needed every vehicle that they could get their hands on you know i think it was chosen to be like sort of deliberately vague in that regard yeah Yeah, i I think think, i think a lot of the stuff about that is is very vague on purpose where it's like we don't it doesn't necessarily matter so much what the specific military situation was it's more about like i mean i guess Tsukamizu wanted to draw the Ketten crowd because it was in Saving Private Ryan, which they had watched recently. But I mean, it's cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, you look at pictures of it; it's just it, it's a neat little. Yeah. it's a neat little deal, you know. And yeah, I mean, I it's, it's that, perfect for the type of like journey story that he's trying yeah. to tell. Like yeah. it just fits. I, I I see a lot of similarities, not necessarily tonal, but uh, in, as in like um, sort of specific content between this show and Laidback Camp. Um, mm. I think you I can, can see that. You can yeah. draw. You, you can sort of um, all the ideas about introspection and asking what's important, you know, uh, I think are, uh, are themes that you can find in both. Uh, 
I don't think that there is really that much difference between um, in terms of their function. I don't think that there is like if you would take the girls last tour girls and put them in the middle of a forest um, and they're sort of kind of trying to do the same thing. I don't know if um, there's necessarily that much difference. Um, that's a, that's because, also an interesting thought because like a big part of this setting is that there's absolutely no plant life of any kind, yeah. which that that's no. so that's an interesting comparison to draw. But yeah, also it's like there it's an it's it's all just kind of outdoorsy stuff, right? They're all camping out under the stars, sure. it, and it, they're away. It's, it, they're getting away from the big hustle and bustle of society, and they're they're kind of out on their own, being able to reflect on things and take their time and really only worry about what's in front of them mm. and their concerns are very similar like we need to find a place we need to get our our sleeping situation set up we need to make our food and um one of them is more um immediately about actual survivalism where the other one is is more just like hey let's go have a fun camping trip together sure, but yeah. the, the, yeah. but you've got a lot of like they're, they're still doing very similar kinds of activities and in a, right. in a similar type of uh, like setting environment. Mm -hmm. Like when she and Yuri get drunk under the moon, for instance. Yeah. Um, it's not a, um, it, 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 there's no nature, right? But it's still a wilderness. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you, you, you're roaming around, they're roaming around in this uh, empty devoid of life place that they're kind of just scraping together whatever rations that they can find until they make it into the next repository uh it's it is by all measures a barren wilderness it's just made of concrete and mm -hmm. uh not wood and, and grass right. and whatever else yeah and i guess that's that's like the that is the the wilderness that has evolved from the the progression that things have kind of taken where it's like i think sure. one of the th things that it tries to bring up is how um it, it is how like kind of humanity has had its its moment on earth and this is what they have they've kind of made it in their own vision mm -hmm. and um so there's there's this kind of um this kind of ties into how I guess the, the fact that it's all in concrete is um, is, is kind of a part of what that that theme is about. Mm -hmm. um, and there's sort of that yeah. meta commentary too, I believe. And, and they kind of call it out directly about like one line that stands out to me is whenever Yuri comments on where like she is talking to her about the idea of like clocks and watches and mm -hmm. then yuri likes she says something along the lines of like well gosh it sounds so exhausting to just plan out your day all the time and constantly yeah. be looking at the clock yeah. and i'm like oh well that's that's obviously you know um um Tsukumizu trying to you know poke fun at modern society a little bit and through the through the lens of these uh, two girls where modern society is like completely broken down and they don't really have much of a frame of reference for it at all right. um and, and you see a lot of that in sort of speculative science fiction but i i think it's always refre refreshing to see sort of the the um sort of the the pure unfiltered like uh 
innocence of how you know characters like chi and yuri who don't understand what the society was like before they got there to sort of comment on the way that things used to be in the past um and like how how weird they found the idea of the the pictures and the videos that they encountered Mm -hmm. just to see all those people and like how that was such a foreign concept to them whenever they hooked it up to that computer and like um whenever they uh whenever uh, yuri is just like flabbergasted by the idea of like mass production whenever they get to the uh the the aquarium and the little robot says yeah yes this was a facility where we did the mass production of uh you know fish for consumption and she's just like the because like the idea of there being like way excess. way more than enough like excess is like so foreign to them because everything they have is so limited Right, because the the this life on the road is makes up so much of like the time of their lives that they can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think we're 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 led to believe that there's supposed to have been like a fairly significant time skip between you know whenever Grandpa sent them on the truck to where we see them in the first episode, because they're like little kids, um, or at least like I'm not, fairly I'm not short. Sure if- so I'm not sure if like they're little kids when he sends them off or if they were little kids and then there's another flash forward to when he sends them off and then it goes That could be. I I I've, I've not yeah, been I think particularly it's, it's, clear on that. It's hard to tell because the characters are just kind of blobs, but yeah. It's it's more that way in the manga. What you said, I think, yeah. is more is more cut and dry in the manga. Like I think I think it's like they're definitely little kids and then like they seem to get shipped off whenever they're older. But in the anime, it's not as clear. No, yeah, I because of, the uh, scene's much that. briefer. Yeah, and it is, and uh, I think, of course, <laughs> she would have had been at least driving age. You know, for ha, who cares about driver? There's no DMV. I'm not saying she went to driver's ed. <laughs> I'm just saying that she would have had to have been, you know, uh, at least displayed to be competent enough to live on their own, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I right. think uh, uh, m- mentioning excess. Um, it's kind of hard speaking of them like having no frame of what the world was like before right and you know you see it in the flashbacks too like there's at least some amount of forgetfulness that has happened because Mm -hmm. surely they spent their childhoods with grandpa and should have been able to remember how things were but uh perhaps it's interesting that you mentioned that i don't i don't mean to cut you off but like yuri yuri seems to kind of relish in that like Mm -hmm. she's she sees that as a way to sort of exert freedom by like choosing or maybe not choosing but like finding the freedom and not remembering things yeah Yeah. oh i forgot that we have we eaten yet today yeah yeah she's kind of really plays up how she doesn't remember things and Mm -hmm. um but to chi that's something that she is very self-conscious about and that's why she's keeping all these journals yes so i think that does lend something to that idea that they are sort of forgetting a lot of these things and dealing with it in in their own way. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure, yeah. So I mentioned the sort of the, at the top of the show about, you know, talking about the, the hopelessness and the hopefulness of this series. And 
I think whenever the cards are all laid out, I don't necessarily know which side of that spectrum this show holistically falls on. So what what do you guys think? Just picking your brains, like, do you see this series as, like, more on the hopeful end or more on the nihilistic end? Or is there somewhere in the middle? Like, and how, do, how does that shake out for you guys? It seemed, to me, it, it seems like it falls into the the realm of like there's not really a, a, a there isn't really a big meaning to things but that's okay it's like kind of getting it's 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 a it's sort of in the middle in that um it's there there's not a like a big thing to be hoping for but that's sort of what life is all about is is just finding our own little small joys and mm -hmm. so what i i guess it does fall more on the side of hopelessness in 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 terms of its actual like these are the things that happen but in terms of its attitude it seems to be it, it seems to be taking the perspective of that's okay that's what life is and mm -hmm that's what makes it so special sure that yeah and that's that's why we have to find our own sort of meaning in it and it is interesting that that dichotomy exists of like because like our, our two main characters are um it's like they're constantly just like acknowledging the fact that things really suck for them but yeah. at the same time just kind of rolling with remembering it. that they still have each other and that's mm -hmm. the most important thing yeah that's a that's a really big part of it is that they have each other um like the then they they can still keep going like the scene where in, they might in, not I be the, they might not they might not know what they're hoping for when they get there but they're just gonna keep yeah. going right and in the final episode of the anime like whenever <laughs> whenever yuri gets eaten by the big <laughs> the big blob thing yeah uh and and you and and she goes through all the stages of grief immediately about like what am i gonna do without yuri i don't mm -hmm. know how i can survive it's kind of you know the biggest stakes of the show right there is not whether or not they both are killed or whatever it's just like well what happens if they get separated like that right. really seems like a fate worse than death for right. the two of these two of these girls because they don't yeah want to be alone and I, I believe too. that whole like life flashing before her eyes thing was anime original but it's very much in line with like the themes that the manga gets into especially later yes mm -hmm. very much and, so and they do that bit too when they're in the uh the the temple right and the lights go out mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 there's that uh period of of true loneliness that mm -hmm. is, is experienced by uh by yuri in that moment it um, also comes back later in the manga. Sure, yeah, yeah. and um, I think like uh, it, we we mentioned briefly the sort of surprise and the disbelief around there being excess in the world. Um, so I, I I don't know. I mean, at some point for them, it becomes like if you don't know excess, then excess is you know not real. It's not normal, right? Yeah their lives mm -hmm. to them are normal you know so they, mm -hmm. they they understand and acknowledge that hey things could be a little bit better but like it's still life right and it ultimately becomes 
you know, we don't have um, a house. We don't have a place that we where we can call home besides our little vehicle here. Um, but you know, we can still it's still life it's still our life right and there's still right. something to 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 hope for and uh they never really get caught up in the uh bleakness of it all because mm-hmm. it really isn't necessarily uh, i hard to say to them. yeah i mean when it's life it's just life right yeah and like, uh they they acknowledge it but it's it's it all they also kind of it, it's also like they, when they find a house to to spend some time in when they find the the food factory and make a, a ration bar with some extra sugar in it yeah. like that's something that's that <laughs> because of the the direness of their situation they that it, that's something that is truly magical to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh and the and i think this the song of raindrops in of itself is like oh, the yeah. biggest the biggest bow sort of on that point you know because it's it's a representation of like these two girls who only have sort of a vague idea of what music might have been, you know, witnessing something as simple as the 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 the, the uh, sound of raindrops on different surfaces and thinking this is probably what music is like. Yeah. And to them, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Like this is making me feel something. I don't know what it is, but right. is this yeah. is this what music is this what the point of music was? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is this the power that it had. And that's another right, thing right. that could be transplanted into like literally any other space. You know, I, I think that uh, ideas of like the biggest things that impact their lives, like the biggest thing that impacted their lives in that moment was the rain, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And then later on, the biggest thing that impacts their life is like whenever uh, I'll go again, whenever they get drunk on the roof under the moonlight, right? Mm-hmm. Big focus in that is the moon, right? So it's these things that are mm-hmm. not necess- they're not connected to the landscape but they're connected to it's it's finding commonality in 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 our existence it's it's the experience that they're having together yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 they're having those experiences with so i i have a hard time calling it things that are natural but uh like the 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 different services in the rain the the moonlight and yeah. when, and the and the starlight whenever that comes up right these are mm-hmm. the boiled down basic sort of the, uh, the, the, the fish that they find when they're doing right, laundry yeah. like yeah the very simple very easy to follow sort of experiences mm-hmm. and things that we can all ha- have right mm-hmm. yeah and um that we might not even think about but exactly we do because <laughs> they're doing it in this very isolated space where this is right. all that there is yeah. to that right mm-hmm. And 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 them them thinking about things that we take for granted. I I love the line in one of the last episodes where uh, Yuri is talking to Chi about the idea that they're driving on top of the train or something like that, and they're talking about like how fast they might be going, yeah. and then they mention something along the lines of like we're constantly moving so fast that the earth like we're going as fast as the earth takes to like spin around. Yeah, like we're like going in twenty four hours turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like really fast if you think about it, but that's yeah. just not something that normal people in normal society really think about all that often. We sort of take that for granted. Like, yeah. wow, we're moving really, really quickly right yeah. now, guys. Like, we've moved very fast during the recording of this podcast. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all real, and I think that uh, 
their experiences are uh they're they're just so human right yeah. and uh it, and that's you know the good and the bad mm-hmm. like all wrapped into one you know mm-hmm. so i don't think that uh uh i think hopelessness prevails in maybe the overall sort of design of the world and maybe some of the characters they meet but um i i don't know if it's the uh prevailing theme through the series at all i I think i think the point is about how life can shine through that yeah yeah even in this most bleak of situations like it it's it it's really dedicated to making you feel how powerful and special these moments of like life are Mm -hmm. like um, and that's something that like is is very important to the the series as a whole, and one of the reasons that I think the anime is such does such a good job with the adaptation because it likes to linger a lot on these scenes where the manga does a good job of like setting them up and and making those situations kind of flow through flow into each other. Right. But then mm-hmm. the anime will take something like that and it's like I I wish I could just always feel the way that I feel when I'm listening to the rain song. Right. Yeah like it's just it, it's this in, this enrapturing like encapsulate like it, it, this moment just captures you and it sucks you in and it makes you feel like you are like like there's this something there that is that kind of goes beyond um like what you are like the the, the kind of bad situation that these characters are in it, it does such a good job of capturing that that I think that is it, it the the hopelessness is sort of the the set dressing that allows that to shine all the brighter. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess there is one more thing that I wanted to talk about, which is yeah, the, go ahead. The just generally the sound design in this show um, uh, is just great thing to discuss. so so well done. Um, like the all of the it, this this city as as dead as it is, it feels like the girls are sort of breathing life into it as they travel through it. You hear how like you there's the rumble of the the Kettenkrad that is kind of accompanying you through this entire journey, and you hear the the little jangling of of like screws on the ground as it as it runs over some like some metal plates, or you hear a fan going in the background, or running water, or or drips. It really likes the sort of those liquidy sounds, and it puts a lot of emphasis on those, yeah. and um, it the there's it puts it puts the those sounds so much into the foreground and it really focuses on those and it makes that's a big part of what makes the the world and the 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 little motorcycle tractor feel like characters of their own is that it feels like almost you we're in conversation with them maybe Mm -hmm. they're not saying words like the other the other big name one-off voice actors are but the uh (laughs) 
the the world is almost speaking to us in a way yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. it's there's there's some there there's one of the big things that comes up in here is how the girls are like um they're sort of finding all of these things and trying to come up with like oh well, what might these have been used for or like come up with some new use for them revitalizing it in a new context how kind of nature cycles through these things and reuses um, things that are like might have been vestigial parts of something else but finds a new use for them and mm-hmm. so like this is it and it's especially i think this is especially visible in like the uh the house segment where they're like sitting there and imagining all of the the furniture around them where there mm-hmm. are like there are our memories and histories that are like encoded into these structures around them all these 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 buildings and this world and the the sound effects and the the voice that this world has really kind of brings that out and makes it come to life and you can feel those the the personality within this otherwise um very very mechanical space in contrast to like the very like blobby bubbly characters and it is that that's a big part of i think the magic of what makes this show work as well as it does that is specific to why this is such a good anime adaptation of this also very good manga um is they they take that part that is exclusive to the anime and really make it work to the show's benefit mm-hmm. yeah and i think you you sort of identified you know we've talked a lot about like the big themes and the large concepts that you know ultimately on the the underside of this series but but really it's those small unique like seemingly insignificant touches that make the actual watching experience of this show like very very special um which is what i think is ultimately its strength is that like these little vignettes these little moments that are full of uh you know line deliveries and uh like sound effects and uh shot compositions um all working in tandem really make this something worth watching um not just something that has that not 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 something that's just a vehicle for thematic delivery but those those are the things that make it that make it special and i think whenever you mentioned sound uh, the thing that came to mind for me was um how they use the uh this the 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 one episode with the radio where like yeah. she thinks that she's yeah, that hearing cool. something in the radio and and uh oh excuse me yuri thinks that she's hearing like mm-hmm. a song in the radio and then she sort of explains like that kind of sounds like what a song might be and then as they rise higher up into the uh the the building that they're in the radio signal gets clearer and then they find the source of it and it's like this little that was the cat creature right mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah, it was that that like that was like it was because the cat creature was able to communicate through the radio using like right. radio yeah. waves or whatever. Mm. And then there's the both the hilarity and the irony of the fact that like we open up the next episode and the cat creature is like eating the bullets, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Which is just like, oh, th- that's not what those are for, but I would much rather you eat the bullet than like the bullet be used to like shoot somebody. <laughs> There's so many, uh, like, uh, I mean, you can go into so many different um, 
like you can look at it as a piece uh, like an anti-war piece you can look at it as a um post-apocalyptic piece you can look at it as, as bring in any number of like societal commentaries you can do so many different things with this show and i i think all of those um could be valid in some way mm-hmm. um but uh I, I don't know um if as much of the lore stuff is as important as opposed to just the the chi and yuri's experience and, yeah, i think and, it's and, i think it's more about the like the vibe of the show yeah. than the lore like there's this it's that it's that reflectiveness that is the most important thing it's not necessarily yeah. the these concrete events that that have happened it's mm-hmm. and the like understanding everything it's about feeling these things it, that's something that and that's something that the the animation and the sound bring out so well and that's what makes it such a like satisfying show to just sit under the kotatsu in the middle of winter and get cozy with right and like the thing that I like to say about Girls Last Tour, like a little little quippy quote that I've come up with about it is that it's good at finding the warmth in cold concrete. Sure. Like it's mm. it's not excessively focused on the bright side, but it can it it brings it out of something and you you get this perfect mix of like a nice bittersweet. Remind me not to bring you on anymore because you just keep flexing about your kotatsu. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just for this show really that's just how i watched it and so i have that association with it oh totally i have my i have my roommate to thank for that so that's beautiful beautiful so we did have a couple audience questions from our wonderful listeners so uh nos anime another fellow panelist and very cool guy he asks the show plays heavily with the philosophy of mono no aware while not uncommon for Iyashike, it's less common to see the concept juxtaposed against the literal ebb of mankind, the show being markedly bleaker than Yokohama Shopping Log, for example. How well do you feel the show plays with this theme? Any favorite examples from the show? So I guess just to tee folks up, and I apologize if I butcher this description, but uh, he mentioned Mono no Aware, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's the idea of... Um, like an importance being placed on things uh, that are impermanent, right. like things that are temporary, things that are uh, fleeting, and sort of uh, leaning into that and appreciating them for what they are. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I like, like the I like the description that uh, that Wikipedia says as the the ahness of things. Yeah. Yes. Where where like it. <laughs> It's it's sort of this appreciation that you can't quite put into words what the feeling is, but it's just mm-hmm. um, you you feel this connection to it and how it and the the sort of impermanence of it, the sort of right. fleetingness of it, like even even sort of the the questions that this show asks seem kind of fleeting. Um, like the bigger the bigger picture things, it, it just kind of is like, oh yeah, that's a thing, right. and it moves on <laughs> from it. And right, so like it, this this show is very deeply steeped in that philosophy as a whole. Like not so much any given particular moment of it, but like just the whole thing that the show is going for I mean, is very it's in the, yeah. It's in the the whole makeup of the show, right? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the whole idea of impermanence, you know really plays into uh, well the show really plays into the idea of uh impermanence just with its 
uh, form, right? It doesn't follow this long, drawn out sort of like story, for example, right? It follows these two characters, yeah, throughout the whole thing, but uh, they exist in these small snippets of whatever they're currently experiencing right, mm-hmm. right. so and then and, when think, and then um, when they're done with it they just kind of pass by and it and, and it, yeah that, and that's then it's it. gone it's like the characters that come in they, they come in they, for a little bit and then they're gone yep they they yeah. come they come in they appreciate the thing for what it is and then they move on and that i think is basically what the idea of mono no aware is supposed to represent is it's supposed mm-hmm. to be this um just appreciate the things that you have while they're there and understand that they won't be there forever right. and accept that and find the the beauty in in that and and in them while they're there and um yeah i think that's very much at the the core of what each sort of what the structure of the series and what each sort of chapter of the series right does um, and, and even in the bigger picture like the it's it's very much about um there there's a lot of themes that come with that come into it with the they talk about like with with ishi and the airplanes they talk about how this is they we've this is this building that they're in is now the entire history of aviation from the start to what is now the end of human aviation and how this city is is in a way the end of humanity as we know it and um how that is something that like everything else we can appreciate while it's here and then it will pass right and mm-hmm. we need and this is all about appreciating the beauty of that and the beauty of the things that are that we've left behind and that we had in while we were there and and understanding that that is just a, that is something that we can only really appreciate in the moment that we're in, in sure. the way that we, in the way that we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's a less of a, and I know you kind of indicated this, but it's Mono no Aware is like, from my understanding, it's more about not, not being necessarily intentional about right throwing things away because they're ephemeral, but it's about sort of the natural flow of how these things that you hold on to will eventually sort of go away um and i think that that is pretty much ishii's entire arc right Mm -hmm. because she pretty much she builds the plane and has help building the plane and then she flies but just for a little bit right and she doesn't like when she's in the parachute and they're looking through the telescope at her right she's not like bawling she's not figuring out another way to make it fly right she's just come to the realization of like hey i built this plane and it flew for a little bit and now i'm parachuting down here and i don't know what's what's next for me right right so i mean uh andrew mentioned uh favorite examples from the show i mean like that ishii's entire arc is 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 uh pretty much an embodiment of Mono Aware, which is really, really, I think, really neat. And it's good It's good foreshadowing for the way that the show ends up uh, yeah. concluding, well, even more so in the manga. So I, I, so one thing that um, I think I was listening to the uh, the old Takuna Radio episode about this show, 
And one of the things that they had brought up was with Kanazawa, the map maker, how when he loses all of his maps, they end up scattering across the level that he was mapping. Yeah. And so like, instead of having them with him up on the next level up where they're not going to be of any use, they are now there on the level that they've mapped out. So mm-hmm. that like if if anybody happens to be wandering through that area, those maps are there and they can use the maps to to like explore the place that he yeah. put all that trouble into yeah. doing. And so there's he has lost his life's work essentially, but there's there's something to that that it, it that carries on to the next sort of it 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 transitions over to that next phase of its um I guess purpose. Sure. Right. Like there's because ve- like there's very little in this show that is like has a, has any sort of intentionality. There it's all very much about this sort of trans like transi- transitionary whatever like this this transient serendipity. journey. Yeah, this transient journey, this serendipity of things taking things as they come and not mm-hmm. really go- getting too much caught up in yeah, because you were you were mentioning that yeah, it's not the point of mono no aware is not to be intentionally getting rid of these things. It's to recognize the cycle and the 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 life the life cycle that it goes through. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I think that um, I I love that point about um, oh gosh, what was his name? Kana Kanazawa. Yeah. Kanazawa. Yeah, I love I love that point about you know his his maps may end up you know, helping out others in the future. And we see that our main characters are sort of recipients of that yeah. um, because the the radio that Chi tells Yuri not to take, even though she takes it anyway from like the, uh, the locker or the grave or whatever it was, um, that ends up helping them. Like they find a friend through that. And, you know, a series of unfortunate events led to mm-hmm. that radio being in that place at that time. Yeah. Uh, likewise with like every... Uh, every um, <laughs> like the scene with the uh, the water flowing into the tank and the water spouting out the uh, the top of the uh, the the gun uh, port thing the words you know what I'm talking the about barrel. the ba- thank you yeah um, like that moment that destruction led to Yuri benefiting from a cute little moment where she got to put her head under the water. Um, you know, it's those little, little teeny tiny things, those moments that sort of, you know, help them along the way. The fact that there were still some canned goods left in that place that they left in the, the final episode um, helped them live another day. And somebody's misfortune led to that being there. But that is sort of the idea of, you know, living in cycles. You know, everything that we do can have these ripple effects that we can't predict. And sometimes those can be for good and sometimes those can be for bad but a- acknowledging those things and appreciating them for what they are is 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 a very uh noble thing to do i think so ink underscore just underscore ink ask if an ova series was announced to finish the manga adaptation who would you choose to direct which studio would you see attached and why i mean at least for me i wouldn't i wouldn't see any reason why it couldn't be the same people I, that I would, made the I series love, i would love to have it be the same staff like, yeah, me too. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know, like I think they did a great job. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to um it's hard to argue with that. Um and it, it, well, I figured that anybody that uh could stay true to the manga's vision and 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 style more or less 
um, would 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 be good. But the the studio that did the series did a did a, did a really really bang up job with uh taking a a pretty um uh environmentally focused manga i'll call it and uh and putting it on uh giving it animation and, and making it really 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 pretty pretty special so uh yeah why can't why can't we have our cake and eat it too huh <laughs> Which I, w- I would just like to say I would I, w- I would like to add I would very much like to see the last six episodes because it would be six episodes at the ra- at the rate they were going of mm, this cool. uh, of this series get in- animated somehow because this is where it starts to deal with sort of the darker side of the show and I want it I want to see this animated with this beautiful music and sounds and visuals and have it just completely destroy me but, yes agreed um like. It is also kind of nice to have a point where it's like, I can tell my friends who don't want to do, get into that darker stuff, <laughs> okay, just watch the anime, don't read the manga. And, and they'll generally be pretty happy because it ends very satisfyingly on that sort of, yeah, we're going we're going to continue our adventure sort of note where it's got that nice bookend with the the, the like spit on the finger, putting your, yep. your finger to the wind and figure out what yeah. direction we're going. Um, it's got that nice sort of that rap, that anime original kind of bookend to it. And uh, I think that's that's a great place for the series to end if yeah. it has to end here. Um, though I would like to have the option to to get the rest of it. But like if, yeah, if I, I had agree. to pick, if I had to pick another director for it, I'd maybe go with um, Ayumu Watanabe, uh, the director of Mysterious Girlfriend X, After the Rain, Space Brothers, um, uh, Comey Can't Communicate. Uh, children of the sea like he i think has a pretty good i he's very good at this sort of like at visual storytelling um at Mm -hmm. like putting the details in the background like has happened so much in this show um and he has he's he's got that sort of restraint that you would need to be able to adapt something like this um oh yeah like um so I was not familiar with that director by name, but I have seen um, After the Rain and Children of the Sea, and I, I could definitely see how his directorial style would really map onto the source material very effectively. Mm-hmm. Also, I think I think Ink would appreciate that answer as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's uh, that. That I guess would be my choice if I had to choose somebody different. Um, but. Yeah, I would be totally fine with the the same staff coming back for this because they did they did great work yeah. on it. I mean, I just I just think yeah. that the sad and unfortunate thing is that like because what's left of the manga is so short, I just yeah. feel like we're probably never gonna get that adaptation because it wouldn't be a full season. Yeah, it would have to uh, be like a, a yeah. net anime or like a movie right. or something. I think yeah. if, I think a movie would probably be the best way to go could be yeah could they would probably... i don't think they'd be able to cover all of the stories but yeah, they could that's get like the main which is they a shame because there's so many great little one-off bits in there that would be great mm-hmm. to capture but um like there's the library scene and there's the the art museum and there's like uh the igloo yeah the igloo and there's there's mm-hmm. so many little like one-off things that were that were great about it um, but they could capture like that thrust of like driving it to its to the conclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we get we kind of learn more about like 
well, what is on some of the upper layers and maybe where what did happen with some of the the people like where did they go mm-hmm. and um so that is something that would be maybe nice to have but i mean i have the manga for that too so there's <laughs> i guess i can listen to i can listen to the soundtrack while i'm reading the manga or something. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the best thing like i think the manga is is really good and worth reading on its own but if you if you opt for one or the other it's like i don't know which one to tell you really because i mean the manga is short enough that you can get through it without too much you know time investment but you miss out on so much of the the actual the the excellent pacing and the visual like, representation and i don't, the squash I don't and know if i would have and... like i would have liked the manga a lot if i had just read the manga but i don't think i would have like had the same feeling about it if i hadn't seen the anime first with all sure. of the yeah. music and the 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 lingering on those certain scenes and mm-hmm. Um, and all of that, the the atmosphere that the anime brings, really helps bring out the best of the manga. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would love to see that for the rest of it, if that could ever happen. But I mean, the the real answer is both. Right. right. Watch watch of the course. anime and read the manga mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time, like yeah. someone I know. Yeah, I I, I did that. That was. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing that the first time. <laughs> no. I, know, I, I guess I'd say maybe watch the anime, then read the manga, and or mm-hmm. at least read the last two volumes of the manga, and then right. Uh, if you if you like it, you can come back to it. However you however you like. That's what I did. I mean, I I watched the anime and I just read the last two volumes. So I did not read the totality of the series. Yeah, I which... had actually done. That's what I did too. And so this was okay. also my first time reading the first four volumes of the manga. And so that's why hey. I was kind of noticing. Oh, here's some of these differences. Here's some things mm-hmm. that they added in the anime, and here's some of the things that they extended and really really focused on. Mm-hmm. And our final question comes from a frequent uh, Third Impact anime collaborator, Unique X Harmony, and she asks, "Which character deserves a nice cup of hot cocoa the most?" Uh, Ishii. I, I, I was going to give two answers. So really, I think we need to give the hot cocoa to the character that suffers the most, which is the fish that Yuri and Chi eat. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so that Rest that is peace. the most tragic character. Yeah, honestly, really, really heartbreaking. Um, but in all honesty, they all deserve it because it looks cold out there. Don't yeah. don't make me choose. This is like choosing a favorite child between, <laughs> especially between the two of them. Oh goodness! Like a big aquarium uh, vat full of, of hot, hot cocoa. Chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both big deserve fish. It. They can share. Big, they can. Sh- they would share. They would. That's canon. Yuri would initially not want to share, but then she then would. She would. Yeah. Yeah. If if I if it was if it I wasn't worried about it it like causing a, a a short circuit I would say maybe the the robot that's taking care of the fish. Hey. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah, <laughs> he's he like, yeah. I, Truly he's selfless. Been, that robot has been through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, guys. I think uh, well, uh, just around the table, real quick. Final word on Girls Last Tour. Final elevator pitch. Uh, our esteemed guest can go last. So, Andrew, you first. Um, uh, OVA uh, expansion, right? We're doing that. Uh, two movies. Um, uh, Girls Last Tour, Death and Rebirth, and then uh, <laughs> uh, End of Girls Last Tour. Or, or, or End of Tour, Girls Last. Yeah, it's End of Tour, colon, Girls Last. 
And they're not directed by Hideaki Anno, but they're directed by Tomino. Hmm? That is a choice for the director, I will say. Uh, it'll be really weird and dumb. She looks at Yuri and says, one cares not to acknowledge the mistakes of one's youth. Yeah, you would. It'd be terrible. Well, I mean, you very much does not acknowledge <laughs> no. anything about the past because she forgot. That's true. Actively. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, for me, I think this is a fantastic show. It's one of the better anime out there that is uh, short, and you can get through it in 12 episodes. It has a fantastic English dub and a excellent Japanese cast as well. I need to go, if I'm going to watch it for a third time, I'll definitely watch it in Japanese the next time because I watched it both of the times in English. And I meant to do this earlier, but shout out specifically to the two actresses that play uh, Chi and Yuri in yeah, the English terrific. dub, um, Catherine Thomas and Juliet Simmons. They do a really good job. And it's my personal opinion that Sentai dubs can be a little bit like 50 50 on whether or not they're going to be that great or not but i think this one is this one belongs in the sentai filmworks dub hall of fame oh yeah this it's one of the best is very 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 good see this is this Um, this is this is an azumanga daio situation for me where like i can't watch as good as the azumanga daio dub is i can't watch it because i have to like Osaka's Japanese voice actress is such an integral part of the experience to me. Yes. <laughs> that I, I, mean, I that like it doesn't feel the same without her. And I feel the same way about Chi and Yuri here. Yeah. Is that the the Japanese actress has just did such a good job that it's such an essential part of like what the vibe of the show means to me. Yeah. That I can't mm-hmm. separate it from them. And well, like I like tried watching the dub, and like it was it was fine, but I I just I kept wanting to go back to the Japanese just because not because the dub was bad, but because like that it, the the sub was just that important to me. Sure, I I completely sympathize with you because I was having the same exact problem with trying to watch the Zombieland Saga dub. Hmm. I just I couldn't do it. Like the the voice actresses for the main for the whole gang just really i i just couldn't do it i couldn't separate myself i needed to have the original cast and and let's be honest you cannot watch azumanga daio correctly if you're not watching the japanese sub for osaka saying oh my god true and and also just because noria wakamoto is in it too in that particular scene even and yes and how can how can you say no to that that whole thing (laughs) right that entire like Hello, every Hello, yeah, it's tremendous. <laughs> That's the namesake of my comedy anime panel. Is hello, every nyan. It, it wouldn't be a show with me on it if we didn't talk about Azumanga Daio. Oh, look, true. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Unfortunately, we already did our Azumanga Daio podcast, so we'll have to yep. do a remastered version. It, it, was, point, it was great. I was. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, but yes, it's a it's a great show. <laughs> Fabulous vibes. Great music. Great characters. I think you'll love it. Um, that's all I have to say about that. So, uh, Bokusachi, end us out. Final words on Girls Last Tour. Yeah, it, it, I've, I've said my, I've already said my sort of tagline for the show that it, it's a show that, that finds the warmth in cold concrete. It's this great melancholy sort of feel. And there's, there's very few anime that really capture this combination of, of like, 
it, it gives you that little feeling that something is shining through a hopeless situation, which is something that I think we really need right now. Yes. And um, there's there's just something beautiful about that kind of show to me that that I specifically love, and I hope that that more people can like uh, experience and and appreciate. And this show does it better than just about any other, except Haibane uh, Renmei. Well, Haibane Renmei has it, it does some of that, but it also has different things that it does that I that are what make me like it more. But very painful wing growing scenes anyway 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 yeah it's just yeah it's if, if you, i guess if you want something similar uh i i wish somebody would license yokohama shopping log ykk that's a, mm-hmm. one of my favorite manga i've been i've been learning some japanese and hopefully i will be able to read it before too much longer but like like in the original like volumes that i've picked up but yeah girls last tour is just such a one-of-a-kind thing I can't recommend it enough. It's my favorite anime of of the last decade. Yep. So I guess. Well said. I did. I did put together a little like last thing to 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 say to it, which is it's really I think sums up sums it up to me, which is that it's it's a little like two line couplet, uh, which one last tour to the top of the sky, let us climb. We're only immortal for a limited time. And that, I think, really wraps it up. Well, that was beautiful, my friend. I will buy your poetry book as soon as it's on pre-order. I stole half of it from Rush lyrics. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, sh- thanks, Rush. You're always coming in, coming in whenever we need you the most. Uh, I think Yuri would appreciate the song "The Spirit of Radio." Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she's definitely felt the. She definitely felt the spirit of the the radio that she took from a spirit. Well, thank you so much for coming on this episode. We really appreciate you finally coming on. I I first asked you to come do this show like about a year ago. It was about a year ago, yeah. Yeah, we got really busy and then I just ghosted you for forever and I'm sorry, but we got you on here now, so all is well. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I finally got the chance to, uh, to get together with you guys and do this. I've... It, it was worth the wait yeah no it was but it was I would a love real to do pleasure it again sometime yeah no absolutely um we'll definitely have you on again if we uh, come up with another topic that uh we think you'd be cool for which yeah. is probably you have, everything you ever do a hibernate or deno coil episode let me know noted it's it's entirely possible nothing is off limits one of these days i'll do a mini-sode on the yotsubo manga and then, then we'll do that so some cool i still have a lot of that left to read so I that which is which is very nice because that means I have more Yotsuba to read. That's true, and also <laughs> it's not like Azuma's working fast. He's gotten yeah. like one volume done in three years. <laughs> That's true. Well, Andrew, where can people connect with you about Yotsuba on the internet? Uh, you can tweet at me mostly. Uh, I'm at toggle underscore rope on on Twitter, and uh, I don't know. I uh, I tweet about sports and anime mostly, and I'll uh, I will interact with you on. Azamanga Dayo or, or, or Yotsuba or uh, uh, Laidback Camp or pretty much anything that is uh, Iyashike he- Healing Series. I'm pretty much down for all that. Or Danhausen. Or Danhausen. I like wrestling too. So if you want to mm-hmm. talk to me about all elite wrestling, I can uh, <laughs> I can talk about that. 
And where can people connect with you on the internet, Mr. Bokusachi? Right. Well, I'm I'm probably most active on Twitter at Sachikoma. That's S A T C H I I K O M A, where you can. I'll mostly be like retweeting fan art from shows that I like and like birds and lizards and stuff. And I'll occasionally dump like a, a excessively wordy text post that should probably be on my blog instead about whatever anime I'm watching at the time. But like, um, yeah, you can follow me there. I, I do have a, a blog um, that's at sachikoma.wordpress.com uh, where I just recently finished a, uh, a huge like 10,000 word post on the new, uh, the new Higurashi series. Um, I'm planning on doing a similarly ambitious one for the 20th anniversary of Haibane Renmei this year. Um, and I usually do convention panels, but I'm not sure if I'll be doing any non-virtual cons this year. So, uh, but if you want a taste of that experience, I've posted a couple of the virtual cons I did, or virtual panels I did to my YouTube channel, which is just Bokusachi. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, I've got that uh, GeoCities Symphogear fan shrine at uh, shootingthemoon.neocities.org, complete with animated GIFs, awkward table formatting, and red text on a black blinking star background. I so, love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm we scattered all over the place. We should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but folks may have seen you during uh, Anime Lockdown or uh, Crunchyroll Expo online. Yeah, I did a couple of different panels there. I think at Anime Lockdown, I did the uh, the Anime for Grownups Beyond Anime High School panel, and I did the uh, Pure Illusion Dreams and Memory in Anime panel um, with my fire alarm going off in the background. And uh, the and then at Crunchyroll, I've done world building in anime, I did uh, anime shorts, and I did, um, uh, what was, I think it was, what was the other one I did? Was it the up and coming director's panel? No, it was, um, that was also the dreams panel. I did another copy, another version of the dreams panel. So yeah, I've, I've done a whole bunch of those and like we met at, at, uh, AWA doing, mm-hmm. just going to each other's panels. Yeah, like, I think I, you recognize my voice, which I felt really yeah. weird about. Because <laughs> I had, yeah, because I had seen. So what happened was, so I had gone to a bunch of Tobias's panels at yeah. previous AWAs, mm-hmm. and then I, I just out of the blue decided one year to go to Animazement, and went to a couple of your guys's panels there, but I didn't know it at the time, and mm-hmm. I got one of your business cards that you handed out there, and so I went and looked up the podcast and started listening was to the podcast. It, was it the Fate Stay Night business card? It, I got the Fate Stay Night one. I also have nice. the current one. Um, nice. Okay. Yeah, I got the... I think I got that at the... Um, at the the Anime That Saved Anime panel. Ha ha ha. Thanks, uh, Ryan. Was a blast, because that was, that was the one where they had, like, the dinosaur guy in the dinosaur suit come in and be crowd control. Uh, that sounds like i um, couldn't make it to that one but i heard about uh, it yeah. yeah that was that was fun and so yeah there you guys had a lot of panels at that that time around um, yeah we did so then i at the next I, I i started listening to your your podcast and i i liked it and so i i heard you guys at your your booth at the the super happy fun cell which i mm-hmm. uh i went up and talked to you guys and confirmed it was in fact you and we hung out a couple times and mm-hmm. went to each other's panels over the weekend at AWA and then covid happened and yep hooray and here we are yep 
and now here we are yeah. and now you're on the show so congratulations and again thank you for being Hooray. here we really appreciated it yeah it's uh, great to to be able to like put something together like this with you guys finally yeah which we'll have to we'll have to do it again in the future if you ever yeah, come whether, it's at, a, whether it's at a convention or yeah. on the podcast again or whatever yeah sure if you ever, cross, if, if you ever come across any more uh Azumangadayo merch uh i i i don't have deep pockets but i might want to buy it oh, I, has missed, deep I missed my chance to get a uh a chiochan like hot wheels car oh it's, it was like a bus oh, a chiochan bus <laughs> and i i missed it i saw it on mandarake and i couldn't i i couldn't get Man. it in time but uh that was that was fun and occasionally occasionally i've seen a couple of the the, the chiochan pigtail pillows pop up yeah. on there too mm. but yeah it's, it's hard to find these days it's been a while since it came out mm -hmm. and as far as us broadly i guess for me you can follow me on twitter at bebop shock and you can find the brand twitter over on twitter at at ti underscore anime you can also follow us on our website which is thirdimpactanime.com where you can see a full list of all of the things that we have talked about on the podcast in previous episodes and we'll have show notes up for this episode where we will put some uh, additional readings some uh, sources that we use for the information in the show we'll put up some of uh, bokusachi's info including his, his youtube channel and, his, and a link to his big uh higurashi piece so you can find all of that over on our website thirdimpactanime.com if you'd like to support the show the best thing that you can do is to just tell your friends about it and share our tweets on twitter do that whole retweeting thing if you'd like to support us financially we do have a patreon which is patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime and that's about it thank you guys so much for joining us thank you again to my wonderful co-hosts this time around i hope all of you listening will go check out girls last tour it's a really special series and let us know what you thought about it hit us up on twitter anytime we'll always be there to chat with you about anime stuff and until next time stay warm yeah.